Welcome to the Clear to Close podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Bolton, and along with me is Carson Jones with Realty One, the Honey Team. That's right. Yep. Team Honey. Yep. yep. Team Honey. And, uh, you know, there, I've seen a lot of things about this terminology of buyer's market versus seller's market. What is that? What does that actually mean when you when we're in a buyer's market or a seller's market? Yeah, it's a good question. And I feel like that's something that's on everybody's mind right now is people think we're making a big turn and we might be starting we might be making a little bit of a turn but i think in a lot in, in a lot of ways it's just a little bit of a speed bump more than the turn uh in the road so essentially what a buyer's market is is when we have too much inventory and uh we have fewer buyers out there looking around right and there's plenty of inventory you're not having a whole bunch of uh bidding wars against each other trying to get houses uh that's not what we've seen over the past boy eight, 10 years almost, especially yeah, in the past three years. Yep. Uh, but for quite a long time, we've been in a, in a buyer's market. Uh, a seller's market is the opposite. A seller's market is when uh, we don't have enough inventory and we have too many buyers. Uh, so it's all supply and demand. And that's where this conversation gets into interesting is because uh, that's not what people are talking about right now. People mm. aren't talking about supply and demand. They're talking about interest rates. They're talking about, oh, what's going to happen with the market? We've got the election coming up. Uh, the real estate market all comes down to supply and demand right now. Uh, it does not have nearly as much to do with interest rates, with uh, lending as it did in 2008. It's mm. a completely different world that we're in at the moment. So, uh, the so, big when, so when does it switch? When does it, what is the metrics that's used to switch from a buyer's market to a seller's market? Is there something that, is there a magic number or something kind of says, okay, now we've switched? Yeah. So it, it depends on technically how many months of inventory we have. That's okay. the, that's the technical term, the technical definition of it. Now, uh, that's changed a little bit over the past six months. However, we're still not anywhere close to the point of saying, oh, we are very much so in a buyer's market now. We still we still have a supply and demand issue, right? Mm -hmm. uh, now, you're seeing buyers get a little bit more hesitant to buy houses right now, but we still very much have a problem where if, if you've got a house that's on the market that's a really nice home that, uh, especially if it might be a great investment property, I mean, it's very difficult to get an offer in there on your own with no other offers to compete against. Okay. Mm. So it all comes down to how many months of inventory we have. And depending on who you ask, how many months of inventory we have, you're going to get a few different answers. Right. Mm. Um, I mean, we've, we've had times where we've gotten down to nearly two months or less of inventory just in the past couple of years. Yeah. Now we've kind of been building back up into that, uh, that three to five plus, uh, plus months of inventory, which is a good place to be. Yeah. Um, if you get to the point where you've got, I mean, six plus months or e even up into the eight to 10 range, you know, you're in a, a pretty heavy, uh, sellers market or sorry, sure. buyers market at that time. So, and, that, and that's what I've heard too, is it's the, it's the idea that if we don't add any more homes to the market and, so we don't add new inventory at the current sales rate, when would it run out? That's that whole idea of months of inventory. So if we don't add anything else, we keep selling at the current rate, we'll run out in three months yeah. or four months. So yeah. that's kind of that inventory to months of inventory to try to figure out, okay, is the demand more than the supply or the supply more than the demand? Right. And that's really what I think separates out those buyers and sellers markets. And we never want to see it get too out of whack. Like you said, when it gets down to a month, I mean, there was times throughout Utah, like you said, it was well less than two, even down to weeks at some point. I mean, I remember one point in some of our bigger counties, it was like 
1,700 homes total, like for the entire county that was on the thing, which is just record, record low numbers of actual homes on the market. And, and for the county, it's been way less than that in Washington County even. I mean, we've had, yeah. we haven't seen a thousand in a long time. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. so yeah, exactly. So it's, it's the idea that we went from one month and all of a sudden maybe we've jumped to three and everyone's like, oh, the sky's falling. But it's like, wait, it's still only three months of inventory, which is still a pretty historically strong seller's market. It's just how much it changed kind of quickly. But the numbers are coming out recently that it isn't accelerating again. It's not going, okay, now we went from three to six. Right. You know, we went from one and a half to, like you said, depending on which metric yeah. you look at, now we're about three. Now we're still at three after a month's worth of data's come out. And you're seeing building permits and even new homes hitting the market also a little bit slower. And it's funny that everybody's worried about this big, big, big crash, but really it's, it's the idea is we need to just let a little air out of the bubble, yeah, not, not let it burst. Thing. And yep. I think it's, it's a natural part of the correction. That's natural, not so big that it bursts. And I'm amazed. Like you said, we've been through the 08 crisis. We saw a whole different market of why that was driven the way it was. So a lot of people have that fresh on the mind. Oh, here we go again. Oh, here we go. Homes went up 20%. Now they're yeah. going to crash. Yeah. When really different story than 2008. Yeah. It's a totally different metric that drove that bubble where this one is more totally more natural as a supply and demand right. issue. And you're seeing building permits slow down to the point where we won't even have more inventory in four to six months. Again, it'll probably be an inventory shortage again. Yeah. There's still a lot of talks of supply chain issue. There's still some issues that are trying to work itself out that I don't think gets crash especially this year, even next year, there's definitely other concerns that are going to happen in real estate well before then. Rates have even kind of leveled off a little bit from their big rise up. So yeah, that first, that kind of second quarter this year really had some big changes that mostly emotional. So when you see that, there's always a little correction from that. And I think that's what we're right in the middle of is just a leveling off, which is what we need. The market's always trying to balance itself. Emotion jumps in, everything's, oh, the sky's falling. And then it kind of, okay, and maybe it's not as bad as what we thought. And that's really what I think we're seeing right now when it comes to that. So, but I think it's helpful to know those terms. They, they get thrown around a lot. What is a buyer's market? What is a seller's market? So knowing that it's really based on how much inventory is hitting the market at the current sales rates, how long would we run out of homes? That's right. really one of the best ways to do it. Right. A, and, and where we are right now is we're kind of teetering on a line of, of what's going to happen. Right. Uh, and everybody's going to give you a different opinion, but my strong suggestion is look at where you live before you decide on what's happening to the market. A lot of people watch the news. They read all the stuff online. Well, a lot of these surveys that are coming out or all of the, the news that's coming out are these huge cities or these massive areas that really it's hard to compare those to a place like Washington County in Utah or uh, even even Las Vegas in some in some ways you st it's still hard to compare a market like Las Vegas to Seattle or uh, LA mm -hmm. um, still two very different markets but it, it, if you live in anywhere other than a major city you got to be careful watching the news and watching what's happening on there uh, if you look back in uh, in Hawaii right um, Honolulu had well less than a month of inventory. And I want to say it was, yeah. it was essentially zero days worth of inventory. Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember what the number was, but there was one time right during the peak of COVID and the amount of houses on the market was, I, I want to say it was less than 50 on the entire island. Mm -hmm. I don't know the exact number, but when you see stuff like that and now all of a sudden you see, Hey, now there's houses for people to buy it it feels like a huge change, right? Mm -hmm. But you have to think back to what's happened since 2020. The world's been 
through a lot in yeah. two and a half years here, yeah. right? Uh, we've gone through a couple of very major changes just in the way we live. And so with that, there's always going to be volatility. We see volatility in the stock markets and cryptocurrencies and everything. Mm -hmm. And is there going to be volatility in, in the housing market? Yes. Uh, but that volatility is going to come from people people's concern right yeah. and people having certain ideas i mean everybody thought one thing with covid and i don't think anybody was right everybody yeah. had yeah. an opinion of what was going to happen i don't think anybody ever gave in a correct idea i, I think and never in my lifetime has there been such a mistrust of the information that we're receiving and how much of it is spun in a way to fit a narrative instead of what's really going on. Yeah. It becomes a lot more opinion than fact to try to sell newspapers, sell ads, move the needle, get views, get clicks. A lot of that has really changed, I think, especially in the last few years. That And amazing, like you said, how much they get wrong because they're just trying to make an opinion to push a narrative. I remember seeing an article one time that there's different headlines on newspapers in different areas because they're trying to sell newspaper. They're trying to sell what's savvy right now. So whenever I see something that's scandalized or inflated or something like that, I always like to actually read more of the article. And you'll be amazed how much the headline doesn't mm -hmm. really match the article all that much. But it's we just trying to get you to click in on St. George with our news outlets, even just here yep, in St. George. It's just human nature to be able to see that thing that's scandalous or that thing that's moves the needle just to get the click. But then you read the article, you're like, well, yeah, it kind of matches the headline, but not enough to. Yeah. It's just getting you to kind of click on it. So there is definitely a, a sense of wait and see crisis. Oh, no, here we go again kind of thing. But when you're looking at the numbers, looking at the data, looking at the benefits. And I think one of the things that really was different with 08 is how global it happened. You know, real estate's really localized. Like you're, like you're saying, what happens in Hawaii? What happens here? What happens in New York or California? Some of these other places, they're more regional. A, a big tech company goes out of business, or yeah. a car manufacturer goes out of business, or an oil field shut down, or a, you know that has a a lot of employees that work at that particular company. Now it has it, that 08 thing just happened to everybody. But what's happening in Detroit's not happening here. What's happening in California or Florida or some of these other things? You do have to realize that some of these national headlines, like you're saying are a bigger area or a region that is getting, you know, oh man, the, the housing is going down 20%. It's not going down 20% no. here. It's not going down 20% most of the country. If anything, it's leveling, which is what we want it to do. For too long, it was unsustainable, such a strong seller's market. Yeah. So it's natural for the needle to kind of move back more to the center again. And that's really yeah. what we're doing. In fact, if we didn't have such a strong seller's market, we'd still say, wow, this is an incredible seller's market with less than three months inventory. Yeah. But it was one month for how long? You know, one and a half months. Right. And all the bidding wars and all the talk that you had. It, it's funny that 08 had all this talk about the loans people were getting. Oh, no money down. I bought three and four of them, 500 credit score. The, 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 what you hear the conversation now is people getting, well, I put my house on the market and I got 50 grand more. You know, I got outbid or I had four and five and six, seven bids. People were getting very turned off on the real estate market because it was such a buyer's frenzy. That's leveling off again. Good things. This is what it's supposed to do to level and balance itself out because it was too far one way. The thing we just don't want is the door just to slam shut the other way. Yeah. That's when you have problems is when it just goes from whether it's stocks, bonds, whatever it is, go from one to all the way to the other. Then it, then you see crashes a lot more. So um, but I think it's really helpful to know the differences between buyer and seller market. So what tips do you have for sellers right now in this market? What, what's your tip for the seller that's, that's yeah. waiting to sell or, or wanting to sell? So it's a good, Did they miss the opportunity. I mean, I hear a lot of people, oh, I should have sold my home last year. 
I, I still don't think that's the case, but what, but what would you give what advice people, to well, That's what the buyers have been saying for a decade. So I should have bought two years ago. <laughs> I wish I would have done that. And then two years later, they, man, I wish I would have bought two years ago. So you should have, uh, yeah, let's, yeah. let's do this. Don't think the same thing in two years. I, I love um, the saying there, there's a saying that the best time to buy real estate was six months ago. Yeah. And then second best time is right now. It's amazing how often because real estate appreciates and the benefits and rates and all that kind of stuff. And, and I look at all the rents going up like crazy. A mortgage gets locked in. Your payment gets locked yeah. in. There's almost never a bad time to buy real estate. They're really even 08. Yeah. Everybody recovered from 08. The one of the worst housing corrections we could possibly have. Everybody recovered from it. Yes, people lost their homes. I'm not trying to play light on people that went through that. But I'm amazed at how much of that equity that was lost was regained. Right. You know, it's something that's more of a long game than maybe a quick buy and sell on stocks and bonds and crypto and all the other stuff that the kids are into these days. But real estate's a way to go. It really is the way to go. So I have two things here with with sellers. I mean, you ask about what what do we tell sellers right now? And now the past few years, the biggest complaint of sellers, even if somebody kind of wanted to sell their home, the reason that they ended up not wanting to sell their home and deciding to stay put is because they couldn't find another place to mm -hmm. live. Good point. So a great thing with sellers right now is we can move away from that. And now we can get to the point where, hey, let's sell your house and then go find you a nice a, a nice new spot to live, whether that's here, Salt Lake City, if you want to move out of state, whatever, whatever, wherever that's going to be. So that's something for sellers that's a big positive is you can finally, you can upgrade, right? You can upgrade without spending a whole bunch more money. Uh, you can also downsize. A lot of people wanted to downsize. Their kids moved out to college. They say, okay, it's time for me to downsize. Well, a downsize is going to cost you it's almost more expensive to downsize now. So yeah. it, it was, it was difficult. Now you're going to be able to see that change a little bit to the point where you could sell your house and be able to reinvest your money into something that's, that's valuable to you. Right. So and that, that's such a good point. I had so many people that came into my office who were like, well, I can sell, make all this equity because the price went up like crazy, mm -hmm. but replacing it was also so expensive. Yeah. And, or it was something where they didn't really feel the replacement was worth it. So a ton of people did cash out refis, remodeling really kicked up. It's like, well, I really do like the house. I just wish it had a newer kitchen or new, maybe another bedroom or maybe another garage or, you know, stuff like that it was cheaper at that point to do that than it was. So that exasperated our problems with inventory because right. it just natural pre-existing homes weren't hitting the market as quickly. Builders couldn't keep up. Now builders are slowing down again and existings are starting to, to pick up again. So I, I agree hundred percent. You don't have that worry that if I do sell my house, what am I going to replace it with? There is more options. There is it's still not as many as we'd like to see even, yeah. but there is more, more to choose from now than there was yeah. even six months ago. Well, it, it, you're right. And the biggest thing with the seller right now is the sellers are going to have to realize right away because they still are being stubborn with it but sellers are going to have to realize what their house is actually worth and then price their home accordingly mm. a lot of sellers i mean for the past i mean probably since man was made <laughs> have thought they're what they own is worth so much more than it mm. actually is mm. and so you can try to sell your home right now but if you are not going to get a correct price evaluation on the home your house won't sell. Hmm. And if it does sell, it's actually going to sell for way less than even you might've been able to sell it. If you, if you did price it accurately, hmm. uh, because the longer that your house is going to sit on the market, the more and more value it's going to lose because people say, Hey, this has been on the market for 120 days. I'm going to offer $30,000 less. Hmm. Good point. And that will happen. Instead of just pricing it correctly. And that was maybe 10,000 less than you started or something for like sure. that. That's a really good point. So I always, especially with, with sellers right now, I'm saying, okay, your house is going to sell for 680. 
Okay. So we have two options. We can price your house at 710 and then we're going to drop the price. And so we drop it down to 700. Now we go to 690. Great. 690. We finally got the offer, but because it's been on the market for so long, the offer came in at 660. Mm. Okay. Or we could price the house at say between 675, 685. And within a matter of a week or two, we've got multiple people looking at the house and it sells at 680 to six to 690, somewhere in there. So you just listed your house lower, but you're going to make actually a significantly more larger amount of money. Yeah. It's something that sellers can't wrap their minds around very easily. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of the times when realtors, when we're looking online at the hot sheet each morning saying, Hey, all right, here's the 20 new listings that have hit the market each day. You can go through and pick the five that are going to sell fast. No problem. Mm. And usually you go back Two weeks later, all th- all of those have been pending, and then when they close, they usually close a decent amount over asking price. But it's because that listing agent priced the house correctly. Yeah, that's okay. Good. Now there's also a catch to that. Now there's a lot of realtors here in town and throughout the country who will go to the house and tell you that the only way we could possibly sell your house is if we price your house that's worth we're trying to sell it at six eighty. You say we're going to price this house at six forty, or we're going to we're going to list it at even six twenty. There are agents who will do that. Uh, that is not going to work as well right now. You're not going to have somebody come in and say, "Hey, sounds great. I'm going to offer you sixty k over asking over your listing price." Mm-hmm. So be careful with that. Uh, there's big time strategy that is involved with listing really, really low to get a whole bunch of bidders. But now is a dangerous time to do that. So be careful going low and also be careful going really high. Think, get all of your comps, get everything together and make sure you have somebody giving you a price evaluation of what your house could actually sell for in today's market. Mm. And that's where you're going to want to focus your listing price at. Um, because the longer you're on the market, the harder it's going to be. And if you want to get it sold quick and you list way low, trying to get multiple offers, those multiple offers might only go up to six fifty or six sixty. So, mm. uh, Pricing it right is everything right now. That's yeah, um, back to what you should be doing, pricing it right when you first put it on the market. Exactly. And I think that's the narrative that's got out of control with sellers is everybody's like, well, my neighbor got 50 grand more than they, and, and it's, it's always 50 grand. Why is it always 50 grand more yeah. than what they asked for it? Yeah. And it's something where the too many sellers are thinking they can still do that yep. when really the market is getting back to where the, and, and here's something else of why I don't think this is a housing crash because it wasn't lenders lending the 50,000 more people just had it from the sell of their home in California sure. or equity or upgrading or downgrading or been saving money, whatever it was, they wanted the house bad enough. They were willing to pay for it. Yeah. Almost all these buyers yep. that have bought went in with their eyes wide open and said, look, I need a house. This is the one I want. This is the one I'm going to live in forever. I'm retiring here. I'm not trying to resell. You know, I'm not worried about spending the extra 50 grand because of either interest rates are so low. I got to take advantage of that. Or I've got the money because I made more on my house than I needed to or what I, I really, you know, so they just rolled that equity. So it wasn't like all of a sudden lending and people were overpricing the homes. Buyers were just willing to pay more for it because it was so out of whack on just lack of inventory. Like, well, if you're going to move to St. George and you need to move, you want to move all that type of stuff because it's an incredible part of the country. Yeah, I'd pay 50 grand to live here more. Absolutely. Especially if I made 200 grand extra on the house I sold. Right. It's like, well, that was kind of funny money. Now I can just put the funny money in the house I'm going to be in forever. For sure. So I I think that's what really changes this housing crisis because I don't think houses were priced wrong. People were willing to pay more. Now they're priced right and that's what they're selling for. That's just more the natural correction in the marketplace as other factors come in with rates going back up a little bit and less home selling on the market, more kind of hitting the market, trying to catch up. That's why I think the bubble 
doesn't burst or explode. Just a little air get lets, lets out. And that's what you want. When it goes up or down, you just want it to be more controlled, not yeah. massive swings one way or the other. Yeah. So when it just month over month data, right now the narrative's got to change because even 45 days ago, boy, a lot more sky's falling now. It's like, no, it's not. It wasn't in the first place. No. You're just trying to sell newspapers. <laughs> yeah, it's just different than it was three, four months ago. Yeah, it just and market changes. It, yep. it does. So so then we switch over to buyers. Yeah, right? what do we tell buyers right what, now? What do we tell buyers right now? And and for buyers, I, I tell you, look at rentals in your area. Hmm. Look at what those prices are going for because that is pretty much the end all to buyers' fears of, oh, this isn't the time to buy. Hmm. Well, really good point. Rental prices are not going down and they will not be going down anytime soon mm -hmm. uh, because these these landlords that own the rentals, they know that they've got all the renters out there that they could ever want. Yeah. Right. In fact, if anything, it's a renter. You know, if you look at buyer and seller market right now, it's a landlord's market. If it that's is. the word, because yeah. they know there's even less rentals than homes. Yeah. And so they're able to say, OK, I got 10 possible renters here. Yep. I'm going to rent to probably the one that either makes the most or lowest risk or doesn't have a pet or doesn't, you know, has a good job history, good credit history, all that kind of stuff that drives up that market as well. And it is something where I just had a client the other day, I was looking at selling and, and just going back to renting is all, you know, I can stay in my home for cheaper. You're right. And, and we'll, what's going to drive rents down? Well, home prices would have to go down enough to where they can resell that home for a cheaper monthly yeah. obligation. Yeah. I don't see that happening. No. So what's going to lower rent rents? other than just a whole bunch of new homes being built way cheaper, well, then people are going to buy them and yeah. then rent them and charge the rent again. So I agree hundred yeah. percent that, and rents is, is something it's, it, it's not even hundred percent interest. When you look at it, it's really like 110%. You're losing the tax benefits. You're losing any features with the home. You're losing the stability of the payment. You're losing the appreciation factor. There's just so many more reasons to look at buying than to, to yeah. renting. I, I mean, I, I look at renting right now as something it's dangerous because landlords are going to be trying to kick to kick their oh, yeah. renters to the curb. <laughs> right. Landlords are going to be looking for excuses to say, hey, I'm not going to renew your lease at the end of the year when it's time for you to renew. And uh, if you want to renew, then these are going to be the new terms. You're going to be seeing new terms come out all the time. And uh, like I was actually talking about with somebody earlier today is you're going to start seeing on these contracts that landlords write. And I've actually seen it multiple times. You're going to see on these contracts where a landlord says, we can increase your, your rate, whatever we want to increase your rate mm -hmm. at the end of your term. In a lot of states and a lot of counties, they have rules saying, okay, a landlord cannot increase more than 2% yep. or whatever percentage that's going to be yep. every, every 12 months or six months or whatever that is. But all a landlord has to do is put in the contract that he can and unfortunately way more often than not the renter a doesn't even read the contract enough to realize what it says and b they read that and say okay whatever i mean that's that's the way it is i guess well we can get that changed and a lot of the way to get that change is a by hiring a realtor to look over your contracts right uh so myself, even uh, even just talking to a title company or a lender, just anybody who knows what is in a real estate contract or a lease agreement, because if not, you could easily be signing something that says, hey, great, you're signing on for 12 months for $1,400, but we can raise it to whatever we want at the end of your 12 months. Mm -hmm. And so they could come back, which is happening and will continue to happen 
they can come back in 12 months and say, all right, well, if you'd like to stay, then your rent is $2,100 now yeah. or, or, or whatever that's going to be. And you say, well, I can't pay that. Okay, well, go move somewhere else. Yeah. And, and you I'm can't move somewhere people, else for less. And I'm amazed how many people just assume it's going to go month to month after that. I hear that term all the time. Well, it'll just be month to month after that. Not right now. Not when. Yeah. And I, I, I and a lot of I, I see many, stuff on there's Facebook. There's too much competition looking for the rental. Exactly. And there's so many other people that are willing to pay the 2100 bucks a month. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, it, it, that increase seems big to somebody going from 14 to 21. But if you look at the people that are moving to the area, 2100 bucks a month for a house, for rent or anything, especially if has a garage or has other features with it that they didn't have before, is a steal when so many people, like you said, have changed their lifestyle. So many more people can work remotely. They can live and work different places now. That's been huge. So you can enjoy the wonderful lifestyle of St. George while still earning a California income yeah. or earning an income on the internet or, or so many other ways to earn income now that doesn't require that you're sitting in LA traffic anymore. Like I did a couple loans for firefighters and cops that actually go to the St. George airport, fly to their station faster than it took them to drive in LA. So you can live here, quality of life, spend three days here and four days in California and get that income and bring it here. So that's hurting the locals because the locals aren't seeing the income separation between that with the housing prices because so much of it is driven by outside forces but this idea that the landlord's being greedy it's like everything has cost more yeah and it's their investment yep. and it's they can always do what something what yeah and if there's somebody knocking on their door like if you if you have a house right now and somebody said hey i'll rent it for 1400 another guy says i'll rent it for 21 why are you going to take the 14 of course it's, it, it it i'm amazed at seeing all these things on facebook these people are just being greedy they're just hurting people they're just being greedy it's the market, it's the price, it's what's dictated by people willing to pay that amount. Anything is worth, not what the market, or what the market dictates, and it's one of those things where it's what somebody's willing to pay. And if right now there's more people willing to pay, that drives the price up. Yeah. If there's less people willing to pay, the price goes down. And right now, a lot of sectors, not just real estate, people are willing to pay more than what it actually was before. Yeah, and and, and I think that's, that's going to be the the going rate right now, especially on, on something that's a rental, because look at the homeless problem we have right now. Mm. A lot of the homeless problem is maybe a kid overstayed their welcome at the family's house, right? Well, they don't have a job good enough to afford any rent anywhere, and all the low-income housing is taken. Mm -hmm. And it's not that there's nothing that exists that could be rented for that price range, but it's more of there's nothing that's available at the time, yeah. right? So, and when something does come available, they've got 30 different people putting in, I, I mean, letters of intent trying to move into that place. Yep. So uh, it's a little different story when you talk commercial right now, there's some office spaces that sit on the market a little bit, a little while, but in terms of residential rentals, it is very, very difficult, pretty much no matter where you are in the country. Yep. So what and, I, and I think something there's, there people think that, well, renting is not as long of a commitment as a mortgage and that kind of thing. And I often tell people you, when you're renting, you do have a mortgage, yeah. it's just somebody else's. They're getting the, some of the benefits that you would have. And it's something where a lot of people I talk to would love to get into real estate investing and have their own rentals down the road. So this is the time to buy that home, get that starter home if you can qualify and turn that one into a rental three or four years down the road. It, it, there's a lot more opportunity with real estate than just leasing the home for 12 months. There is paying the 1400 bucks, the two grand a month for no tax benefit, no appreciation, none of that just for renting the house versus yeah. taking that same amount and trying to find a way to, to, to buy a home with it. 
because there's just way more options that'll open up down the road. There, our, our society has just become microwave, quick now, instant, this kind of thing. If they can't do it right now, then they just give up on it. So it is something where if you're able to qualify, you should come back to the market. I know people who were frustrated that just got out of it because they were just sick of getting outbid by cash buyers and all that kind of stuff. So having that market shift is bringing some of those buyers back. So I think it's balancing. It's not crashing. It's correcting. It's yeah. deaccelerating. Or, you know, there's a couple of words that are getting tossed around out there, but way too much talk of crash, crash, crash. I just yeah. think there's way too much talk of crash. So you're right. And what I would tell to the... Uh um, to buyers and sellers right now is to watch for a couple specific things over these next, I would say 12 to 24 months. Hmm. Uh, and a lot of it is just a change of what people will be looking for. Hmm. So number one is I would say, watch out for casitas and mother-in-law apartments. Hmm. I actually think those are two, two, uh, parts of houses that are going to become extremely popular. Yeah, now, if you own a house that has maybe a, a guest home or, or, a, 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 a even a, even an attached casita, uh, whether it's attached or detached, I believe those home values are going to increase quite a bit over the next two years. Uh, same thing if you live on a two story home and maybe you've got a, a walkout mother-in-law apartment on the basement floor that they can get down to from the street and you have a little kitchen down there. Maybe you have an apartment or you have a house right now with that bottom floor basement that you could turn into a casita. Mm. Anything that you can possibly rent out like that mm. is going to be really good. Now, it's not so much to have just some random person move in and rent it out to them, but more so because you're going to see a lot of the kids in their mid twenties to even up to the early thirties say, Hey, I can't live anywhere else. I got to go move in with mom and dad. Mm. So or you're even gonna, the, the vice versa where the parents, the parents got to move in. Move yeah. in I've had you, multiple yeah. Yeah. clients like that uh, yeah. over the past year, even. So you're, you're going to see a lot of people say, Hey, I, I, I need a house that I can also have a separate living area for, for family. Mm. Right. So watch for that. And if you own a house like that, maybe it's, it's something to consider getting, the place ready, right? Mm. If you have that house with a basement, maybe think about doing some res renovations downstairs if you barely use it to make it a place that could be used as a mother-in-law apartment or casita before you sell. Because if you do that, you're going to have a lot more buyers coming in looking for that specific thing. Uh, a lot of the buyers that I currently work with, that's one of the top priorities on, on their list is they want a separate living area for somebody, right? That's so interesting how the market can change like that. Because I remember that for the longest time, they wanted four bedrooms. Then it was like, no, we need three bedrooms and an office mm -hmm. or three bedrooms and a den. Just changing the name of that helped listings because there was people working from home or needed as space to be able to, to work remotely or like you said, had a family member or something like that. So it is interesting to watch the dynamic of even just the, the trending terms have changed a little bit. So I think that's a great point. I think it's something where I have a lot of people that are looking for the ability to expand, like you said, to either add a, a kid coming back home or an adult that's retiring or mom passed away and dad needs a place or dad passed away. Mom needs a place, you know, that kind of thing. I think that's crucial. Whether it is yeah. rented to just Joe blow on the street, which is still some opportunity there, or whether it is something like you said to a next buyer that really wants that to be the thing that's, that's part of their next house purchase, whether for personal needs or just looking at the investment opportunities with it. So, and that's way more opportunities that than renting. It really is something where I have so many people that give up on buying a home way too early because they just think it's too expensive. They have to have a bunch of money down. All these factors start there. Go through a pre-approval. I don't know a single lender out there that won't at least review your situation and say, okay, here's where you're at today. If you want to get to where you're going, 
do these three things, do these five things. Right. And I'm amazed at how many people, if they just have a few more months to work on stuff, can get better loans, but they don't want to pull their credit. Oh, I don't want to ding my credit. I don't want to pull my credit. And it's like, why not? You're, find out to, if that makes a difference of getting you a better interest rate or catching something or reviewing something or helping you get your score up just a little bit, it can make a huge difference down the road. Absolutely. And so, I, I mean, with this said, the people watching or listening to this, this podcast, I mean, you might be in very different situations. I mean, we might have some people who are renting or continue, ha, have been renting for 20 years mm. and some people who have are maybe thinking about buying their first house in the next, in the next year or two here as well. Other people who might be landlords. So what we want to do is we want to hear from you guys. So we want to hear from our, uh, our listeners and our, and our viewers and, and let us know what questions you have so we can kind of get an idea of what to answer. It seems like buyer's market versus seller's market has been a very big topic right now. So we wanted to talk a little bit about that. So in the comment section, whether you're on, you're on YouTube or, uh, whatever platform you're listening to this on, uh, leave us a comment and tell us, ask us whatever questions you have about mortgages, real estate, uh, really whatever that might be. We want to talk about that. Uh, what, and it doesn't have to be only St. George, Utah related. I mean, we, uh, we love really any conversation and answering any questions we possibly can. So let us know what you want to hear about. And, uh, we'll continue to do that here on the clear close podcast. Absolutely. Click and subscribe or click and subscribe. subscribe yes. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you subscribe just so you get our latest content. And that way we can help build the channel and direct it the way you want to do. So have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you so much, Ryan.